Good morning. I am Clay Harbor. Charlie Arnold is on vacation today. And the opening stories for today is obviously what everybody's talking about. And that is the college football playoff. What an incredible set of games that we had here. In my opinion, I mean, this goes back to Vince Young, Matt Leinart days. These games were incredible. Two instant classics that both came down to the last play. Michigan, Alabama, back and forth the whole day. And then obviously it comes down to the last play. Alabama with an opportunity to score. And they can't. A little botch snap on a run play action. And then you have the Texas-Washington game. Texas has a chance to tie the game and send it to overtime, and they couldn't do it. So before we go any farther, I want to bring in Trey Wallace, senior outkick rider, and talk some football because I'm really interested to see what he has to say about a couple of these games. Trey, how you doing, my man? Uh, did you get any sleep last night? No, not really, to be honest with you. It's great to join you. I uh, No, I think I think I finished up around 3.15, 3.30, and then, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to try to nap for a little bit before we get, you know, a bunch of hits going on. No. And and you know what? I'll sleep after uh, the season's over. So it, it, it's all good, man. We're making it. <laughs> Absolutely. So just a broad overview, man. Like, what stood out to you? First, I want to talk Michigan, Alabama. What stood out to you that game? Obviously, that Michigan defense was suffocating that D-line. They did get up, give up some points. But overall, I thought Michigan's defense really held Alabama in check. Yeah, such a crazy, just great Rose Bowl game. We're so used to the pageantry of the Rose Bowl and everything that goes into it. But you but you look at the game itself, and Michigan comes out, and, and I know what the halftime score was. You're sitting around 13 to 10, but you look at it, and you're like, okay, Michigan kind of dominated here, dominated the Alabama offensive line. Five sacks in the first half against Jalen <laughs> Milrow, and you're like, okay, if Michigan can maybe, you know, score a touchdown or two here in the second half, they can find some separation. And, you know, and, and what stood out to me was, first off, Nick Saban adjustments at halftime. I thought he did a really good job of figuring out, hey, you know what? We got this really good quarterback in Jalen Milrow. Maybe we should just let him run the football. And that's exactly <laughs> what the case was. And, and, and so you saw a game that really that 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 was the the epicenter of what it comes to worlds colliding between Michigan's offense and Alabama's offense and the way that they played in that fourth quarter. But I mean that was amazing in, in the fact that you know Michigan can storm back to win when Alabama had kind of a chance to kind of put it away in a sense. And you're like, okay, how crazy is this going to get? And then end of the day, we get overtime, and and, and it was just. It lived up to the hype. I think that's the biggest thing. It lived up to the hype. The ratings are going to be nuts. Um, yeah. and, and, and I know we'll get more into it, but just a just a, a spectacular football game that we needed to kick <laughs> off today, which we didn't think would be as wild as it actually was. No, and I thought that was a little bit of a trap. At first, when I'm watching it, I'm saying, okay, why is Alabama the underdog here? Obviously, the SEC has dominated the college football playoff. And it will be the first time since 2015 that the SEC is not represented in the national championship. But there was another game that came on, Trey. And this game, in my opinion, was just as good as the first. The second game is hard to stay up because, obviously, we got New Year's Eve. You know, you stay up late to, to, to midnight to watch the, the clock hit 12. And then we come back on the New Year's Day Bowl. This game goes till 1 a.m. 
but Michael Penix, 430 yards, the third most in college football playoff history. Did he maybe change some Heisman voters' minds about maybe Jaden Daniels shouldn't have won the Heisman? Maybe Michael Penix should have been the guy? You know, maybe we should hold off on voting on who's the most valuable player in the country till uh, after the playoff. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, and it's what, look, that, that'll never change. I mean, maybe down the line. We've seen all the changes in college football. But, yeah, I mean, the way Michael Phoenix played. And, that, like, that's a game, too. Like, we have to kind of, like, set the scene. It's like, okay, you're going from the, the wild Rose Bowl ending. They're trying to wrap up. 15 minutes later, we get kickoff in New Orleans and in the back and forth slugfest that we got between Quinn Ewers and Michael Phoenix Jr. with old Arch Manning on the sidelines, you know, kind of seeing, okay, is he going to get in? Is Mike going to get hurt? Well, man, talk about a legendary performance. We've seen guys do that. Michael Phoenix, you know, we've seen others do that in that building. Joe Burrow has done it in that building before. And what he did last night, Michael Phoenix Jr. or this morning, uh, whatever times that you're in, <laughs> it really yeah. set that stage for wow. What a great comeback story, you know, this year when it comes to, you know, Washington. You don't know what it's going to kind of be like this season. All of a sudden they come out of the gates hot, the way that they finish the season, undefeated. And now you've got a situation where Michael Phoenix Jr., like you just said, if they'd have just, if they'd have just waited I think the Heisman Trophy probably would have gone to a different player, not Jaden Daniels on the team that lost three or four games compared to what Phoenix did at Washington. So it really sets up for a fantastic national championship game. Two different teams heading into that one. But, man, just hat tip to Michael Phoenix. That kid was slinging it last night, Clayton. Yeah, and the, the thing about Michael Penix Jr. is he is talented and he has a talented wide receiver core. To me, looking at that wide receiver core, I think they're better than some NFL wide receivers core. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Atlanta Falcons. I'm looking at you, New York Giants. I think some of these guys, this receiver group is incredible and they got a first round draft pick also throwing the ball. I wanted to get, some, get, get to something else too, Trey. I read your article yesterday about uh, Jim Harbaugh and and him and his situation and and how there's a chance that maybe he could be moving to the NFL. And this is something that's kind of always been a cloud over the Michigan Wolverines program. But this year, it seems like so much more, obviously, because of all the NCAA allegations and, and what happens with the investigation moving forward. Does this game change anything? And does if Harbaugh wins the national championship, change anything either in, in either of these situations? You know, I, I think it was I think it was kind of twofold situation last night because if if Harbaugh would have lost that game, that would have been they'd lost the last three playoff appearances. And with McCarthy and Blake Corum, and you don't know what particularly the future looks like, okay, that would have given a perfect opportunity to be like, okay, look, I'm, I'm going to go back and pursue – my NFL dreams again. I'm going to go back and see what I can do in the professional ranks. I did it once. Let's try to do it again. You know, the, the other factor is that, well, okay, if they win the national championship, it's going to be in a situation like, well, wait a minute. I've accomplished it at Michigan. I won a title. They're going to name a building after me. Okay. They already got my <laughs> father on a, on a building. They're going to name a building after me. I'll go down, you know, Michigan had played for a national title in 20 years. So you go back and you look at it and you think, okay, 
what else is there left to accomplish? He's not turning the Michigan program into an Alabama program or a Georgia where you're going to win two to three championships in a row in a year. I just I, I think the the parity in college football is changing next year with the 12 team playoff. And the other fact that you have to you know look into this whole situation is he's had a contract. He's had a contract for at least a month now, uh, sitting on his desk. I, I know he hired. I know there were reports out there. Oh, he hired a new agent. He's had that agent for the last three to four weeks. This is not really mm. new. He's been going through that contract with Don Yee, who represents Tom Brady, and so on. So I think when you look at if, is is anything going to change, I, I don't know. I, I think that the timeline definitely changes. Like this week, we're not finding out if he's staying at Michigan or not in the future or going to test the NFL waters. Now we have to wait, okay, next week, the week after, you know, after everything calms down. I just think a lot's going to play into this decision. And, and I think he knows, by the way, Clayton, I think he knows right now if he wants to go back to the NFL or not. This is not going to be some decision when he gets home for the national title game and he has a 2% glass of milk and he's chilling by the fire and all of a sudden <laughs> makes some kind of decision. You know what? I'm going to go off to the NFL now. I, I think he knows what he wants to do. And that could, could just come down to, you know what, I need to go over this contract and and see what's worth it, what's yeah. worth it not to stay. So a lot of factors go into it, Clayton. Yeah, and I think we have a soundbite from Harbaugh post-game show. So let's give this a listen as well. You know, it's just the way this team de- is built um, and the way how connected they are as as players and, and we are as a team. It's it's unanimous support for each and every guy and um now it's almost been an unfair advantage i mean all the things that that uh you know that the team has gone through i mean we don't care anymore we don't care what people say we don't care about uh um anything that comes up we just know we're going to overcome it uh because it's unanimous support from uh every single guy on the team Trey, what's your take on on that, on, on him talking about how it's maybe a us versus them, you know, us against the world type mentality? Is that going to help him in this national championship game? You know, Clayton, it has been it has been Michigan versus the world since the first game of the season when Jim Harbaugh wasn't on the sidelines, when he was suspended for the first three games of the year. OK, he gets to come back. What happens two weeks later? That name, Connor Stallions. Starts making the round. The name of college football in 2023 starts making the rounds. Turns out the Big Ten's like, you know what? We're going to suspend you again. I I think the mentality has really helped. And I think it's more about the players, Clayton, the players buying into the, the program, not listening to the outside. It's hard to not buy into what the outside noise is putting out. And for them to do that, led by Blake Corum, J.J. McCarthy. I, I think that you have a program that, okay, we're I, I, I'm stealing a line from a, a Cody Rhodes, but they're going to go finish the story. That's the biggest thing that stands out to me with Michigan. And, and I think the other thing, too, is Jim Harbaugh was asked after the game, hey, can you talk about your future at Michigan? One of the reporters was setting him up, kind of baiting him a little bit. And he said the only thing that he was worried about the future was the happy flight back to Ann Arbor. So he wasn't taking the bait. And, and I just feel like this is one of those situations where 
you're not going to get an answer. But as for the Michigan program, I think they have all the fuel that they need for this fire when it comes to a title. And that's what makes Monday night so interesting for me, upcoming Monday night next week in Houston, just because you have two different worlds colliding and and, and naysayers on both sides. And you know, yeah. feel bad for the Florida State folks sitting at home. Yeah, well, they, uh, they that's an interesting conversation we're going to touch on later with the Florida State situation. And now they had 23 players sitting out that game and how maybe the NCAA can can fix some of these college, these these bowl games. But Trey, before yeah. I let you go, we got to get your pick on the national championship. Who is going to win this game? Man, so I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going on with Dylan Johnson right now, the running back from Washington, uh, as as everyone could see, or maybe you were so droopy eyed last night uh, from, from the timing. <laughs> he was carted out uh, off the field after the game. He was excited, but that was adrenaline running through his body after after his team winning. Um, it, it's going to depend a lot on if he can, if he's available or not, to be able to run that football, to be able to offset yeah. Phoenix. Um, I love the Washington story. I don't know. You know, you saw a different game yesterday. Jalen Milrow. Okay, Michigan figure out a way to kind of stop Jalen Milrow towards the end. My biggest thing is, can they stop Michael Phoenix Jr. slinging the football Mm. around for four quarters? I don't think it could happen. As we sit here on a Tuesday, January 2nd, and this game is six days away, I am taking the Washington Huskies to win the national championship and wreck Michigan's dream season but a lot could happen in the next six days. We'll find out. But right now, I'm taking Washington. Oh, wow, Trey. That's the four-and-a-half-point underdog you're taking right there. But we'll see what happened. Appreciate you, Trey. I know your day is just getting started. Have a good one. Appreciate you joining us today. Hey, thank you so very much. Have a wonderful day. You too, Trey. Thanks, man. And before we get to our next guest, I I, I want to take a look at a clip from what one of the uh, Michigan players, Cam Good, had to say about the game and how they beat Alabama. Take a listen. We beat the referees and As you can see there, those players are very excited about the win, and they said, hey, we beat Alabama fair and square. We beat Ohio State fair and square. We beat Iowa, and now they are going to try and beat the Washington Huskies. Nobody can say they're stealing signs right now because Connor Stallions is nowhere near that sideline. So now I want to bring in our next guest, and that is Michael Gunzelman. Guns, he is a outkick writer and an expert on all things football, all things sports betting. So before the first thing I want to get to with guns is guns. This line comes out. I think it's already moved a little bit. But uh, what do you think? Michigan minus four and a half. Is is there any money to be made in this game? You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's funny you said that because, um, you know, between Alabama and Michigan, obviously two of the most polarizing teams across college sports, especially with how dominant Alabama has been in the last pretty much the last decade plus. And then not too many, not everybody loves Michigan. So it was funny just to see it, like the lesser of two evils of who would win yesterday, but the four and a half, there is something to what Trey was saying. Cause coming off of how Penix did yesterday, I mean, he was straight up as my sign says, balling he was balling last night and i feel like there's going to be just a momentum just a buzz behind 
football fans from across the country, even casual fans that are just like, well, I hate, I hate Michigan. You know what I mean? I, I hate Michigan, that there might be something to that in a Washington uh, four and a half, anything over a field goal. I could see this game coming down to a field goal. Four and a half might not be a bad pick right now. Yeah, I'm with you there. And, um, you know, I, th- I think I'm going to take Michigan. That defensive line is tough. I know we talked about the Washington receiving core, but it's going to be up to that Michigan defensive line. And Washington's offensive line is great. I mean, they, Michael Penix didn't get sacked once against Texas. Obviously, Michigan is a different animal. I wanted to get to this because I thought this was uh, this was interesting. We have a clip yeah. here from uh, Kirby Fox. And, he, and, and excuse me, um, Kirby Smart talking Kirby about Smart. Yeah. Florida State getting getting blown out by Georgia, and that's because they had 23 players missing, and they skipped the game for the Orange Bowl for whatever reason, if it was the NFL draft or the transfer portal. So let's get to this clip of Kirby on fixing the Bulls. Maybe I'm wrong here, and maybe this will be a bad soundbite, but people need to see what happened tonight, and they need to fix this. It needs to be fixed. Very unfortunate that they, who has a good football team and a good football program, are in the position they're in. Everybody can say it's their fault, it's their own problem, right? Everybody can say that we had our guys and they didn't have their guys. I can listen to all of that, but college football has got to decide what they want. And I know things are changing, and I think things are going to change next year. You know what? There's going to still be bowl games outside of those. People got to decide what they want and what they really want to get out of it. It's really unfortunate for those kids on that sideline that had to play in that game that didn't have their full arsenal. They had affected the game 100%. Guns, 23 players yeah. missing for Florida State. What do you take on Smart here, and, and how do you think that the NCAA can move forward with this, with this bowl situation? I mean, so there's a lot going on here, and I kind of see multiple sides of this, okay? Uh, Can I blame the players themselves? Whether, like you said, it's because of the NFL draft and they don't want to get hurt, but not every single one of those players is going to be a a dominant force. Many of them could have suited up, but the bottom line is they were pissed. They were mad. They were mad at the CFP committee. They were just mad about the overall thing. Um, (laughs) the, the, The college football right now has gone from being a sport to a business, and when you add in the NIL deals and the fact that, you know, contractually, these these a lot of these players aren't contractually obligated to play for a specific team and the transfer portal happening before the bowl games are even occurring over before the national championship is happening and they can they can kind of have this kind of leverage. It's bad for the sport in general. I truly believe it really is. Now, let's delve into this uh, Florida State situation itself. I think Kirby Smart's right here. I give him props for actually coming out and saying what yeah. a lot of fans are saying. The bigger issue I take from this, though, is almost like a sociological uh, breakdown here. What we're seeing is it is it this a younger generation mentality where it comes to more a me aspect, a stubbornness mm. aspect to it, where the team aspect has kind of been taken away. It's what can I get out of this for myself? It's sad. I don't think it happens a decade ago, doesn't happen 15 years ago, doesn't happen 20 years ago that uh, this would happen. I think it truly has to do with this next generation of just a societal impact that's happening. It's mm. it's it's unfortunate for everybody that did go out there and you had like some you had some people dressing that never played a down <laughs> before in college football <laughs> and went out there. Um I would like to ask you this though, Clay, like 
at first I was like, I'm not a big fan of, you know, I, I'm for the little person here. You know what I mean? I'm always about the little person. It's us against them. That's kind of just like the guns mentality. All right. I hate the yeah. powers that be. So at first it wasn't a big fan, like the CFP and the committee and, and then kind of screwing Florida here or whatnot. And, 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 and I really wanted Florida state to kind of at least compete here, but because they got smoked so badly, I feel like the committee, you know, the committee is kind of just laughing. And like, the, it's almost like we told you so, even though like anybody that knows the situation, but five years from now, it's like, well, we told you so. Like, do you think this hurts Florida state more and, and, and helps the committee more than, uh, you know, than it actually helped the Florida state players by like, you know, doubling down and be like, oh, we're going to show them. It's like, you didn't show anybody anything. Yeah, guns for me, my mentality, and I think that that is a mentality, and you brought up a, a good point. I think a lot of people's mentalities have changed uh, than, it, than it used to be. For me, if I'm Florida State and they don't let us in the playoff, what I want to do is I want to go out there and I want to beat the brakes off of the Georgia Bulldogs. We're all playing. We're going to have a hard couple weeks of practice. We're getting extra film in, and these kids, because they didn't make the national championship, now they're, they're feeling sorry for themselves. We're not going to play in the game. We yeah. think we got cheated. And then you go out. Now you get you get a black eye for your organization, for your entire school, and you get blown out by Georgia. Obviously, you have 23 kids who don't play from the transfer portal to the NFL draft. And trust me, I know I was in the NFL draft. I was a draft pick. I was taken in the fourth round. I know there's a there's something there that maybe you you could get hurt. You could cost your, yourself, your family some money. But times have changed, and now you're getting paid to play in the NIL. But for me, you give your, you're give you giving your word to a university when you go there that you are going to play for them. And this was on the biggest stage with the biggest opportunity. So for me, I thought it was a real bad look for how Florida State handled the situation. Unfortunately, you didn't get in. Your quarterback got hurt. And I agree with the committee. You weren't the same team without your starting quarterback, and you right. didn't show anybody any different. So now, uh, Guns, I want to switch topics. Yeah, hold on, a but, but, hold on. We'll real quick, one people, more. But, yeah, I, yeah. Let me just say this real quick because I, I think this is important to say. Um, we know that every single of those twenty-three players are not going to become NFL stars. All right, lucky if all of them even get to see a down. If you really think about it, I mean, you know, you know firsthand, it's yeah. very difficult to make it to the NFL, let alone you know maybe practice squad, whatever it might be. But I truly believe, especially from the sociological standpoint, which, which I truly think is the underlining thing that you know, like do where you have an obligation for your team, for your organization, for your business, for your work, whatever it might be. There's definitely a changing that's been going on, especially in the last couple of years. It definitely is from Gen Z on. Okay. But I'll tell you this, though, those that opted for the money or whatever it might be, um, you as an athlete can, can attest to this. For those players, especially those that might not ever bake it in the NFL or anything, they will live in regret for the rest of their lives that they did not play in an Orange Bowl. OK, they are going to regret. They're going to beg for that one game might be three years down the line, might be 10 years down the line, whatever it is. Mm. They're going to wish that they played in yeah. one more game and that could have been it. And they purposely sat out. And I think that is sad. I bet you they're going to, it's going to come back to haunt them later on in life. Oh yeah. They're going to look back and say, we missed an opportunity to really prove some people wrong and to show that what kind of a football program Florida state really was. I think you're 100% right guns. And, and one day they're going to, they're going to live in regret. What happens if you what happens if they go to the NFL, the NFL, and they didn't even play their last game. It's like, Oh, I, oh I'm going to go to the NFL. You might not ever play a game in NFL. Your football career might be over right now. And you didn't play in your last possible opportunity. That's sad. And guns. It is a little bit different of a feeling. I know it's changed now with the NIL, but you have more of a connection. I feel like to your college 
than you totally. do to an NFL team. It's almost like your mercenaries, you know, you're hopping and obviously that's changed a little bit, but for your college, you're playing for your people with your friends and it's an opportunity to show the world Loyalty who is you God, were. Yeah. 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 And unfortunately, is God. Uh, yep. yeah, that didn't happen, but let's switch a little bit. There's yeah. no better way to start my day than talking a little bit of NFL. And to me, one of the biggest stories is coming out of the NFC right now. And what in the world is going on with my Philadelphia Eagles guns? <laughs> because that's a team that drafted me. I love the Eagles, but yeah. they just lost to the three and 12 yep. Arizona Cardinals. This team yep. was supposed to be a Super Bowl contender and you lose to the Cardinals when you are playing to win the division. And now you're behind the Cowboys and are probably going to be the five seed and have to play the San Francisco 49ers, the second playoff game. If you even win yep. where, what is going wrong with these Eagles? Uh, everything, uh, <laughs> you know what, Th this is how it ends. This is how the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl dreams die. My friend, I mean, they needed, they needed this win. They needed to turn around just, you know, just the last couple of weeks, but I've argued. Okay. I've argued that. Sure. If you look at this is why you can't just look at wins and losses alone. Okay. The Eagles come out of hot 10 and blah, 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 blah the whole time. Like you can't, they yeah. weren't winning decisively <laughs> they were not winning decisively sure like on paper it's like oh we got the victory we got the victory eventually that's going to catch up to them and that's what happens here and it's happening at the wrong possible time all right and it's mm -hmm. you know the cardinals gave up 420 total yards just last week to the bears and then they <laughs> turn around and score 29 points in the second half how are you, how is this happening? And it goes, what we're seeing now though, and this is what's most troubling is it's now mental. And mm -hmm. it, it's one thing to come over and say the, the physical limitations or knowing that like, okay, you know, like, oh, I just had a bad game here. I can turn it around, but now it's mental. And now you've got AJ Brown throwing some, uh, some shade or lack thereof by getting, uh, you know, Sirianni's back publicly, the head coach is back publicly. Now, you know, there's kind of disagreements amongst the, uh, the, uh, you know, with, with the coaching staff. And when you start doubting that, when you're going into a week 18, when you're going into the playoffs, there's no structure. There's no fundamental uh, backing, foundation, if you would. It's happening at the wrong possible time, and I don't think uh, your head coach is uh, the answer for it. Not like you got Parcells there. You don't have a Belichick yeah. besides, obviously, from this year, which is a mess. But you don't have that. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you need some sort of, you need somebody to rein in the Eagles and the fresh, you know, the egos. Mm. You need somebody to rein in the Eagles egos from the likes of yeah. an AJ Brown or whoever. And I don't think that um, it can happen right now. It's been a disaster, but the thing is it's been creeping up on you all year. I'm not shocked yeah. by it. I'm not, I'm, I'm shocked in how bad it is, but I'm not shocked that they're losing considering a lot of those losses. They weren't decisively winning in the first place. A lot of their victories early on. It's uh, it's like ignoring red flags, man. The Eagles had a bunch of red flags early in the season, but they kept winning. So you're ignoring the red flags and eventually these red flags caught up with them and they make the defensive coordinator change from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia and Matt Patricia just gave up 220 rushing yards and, and, to the and Arizona you, Cardinals. And you want to know, is I wrote this down specifically because I thought it was really interesting. Once I knew we talked about the Eagles and went back, watched the game. There's one moment, okay, where you had uh, 240 pounds, the edge rusher, his name's Redick, all right? Yeah, and yeah. 
He was against Arizona's six foot six, 313 pound tackle, Paris Johnson. And that was James Conner's two yard game winning score. Why would you ever put that up? It doesn't like just the, from a defensive schematic, that is your coaching staff letting you down. That doesn't make any sense. Of course, there was going to be a hole right there. Patricia completely dropped the ball there, but it's those little things that just, they, that just don't, you, you can't do that. Now, that might not seem yeah. like a big deal, but. It's right there for you. That was a horrible matchup. The hole, I could have ran through that hole. I could have walked back through backwards through that hole. You knew it was going to be there. It doesn't make any sense. 240 pounds for 313. There was going to be a hole there. And guess what? It worked. It's just a stupid mistake. No, absolutely. There is a lot of things going wrong with these Philadelphia Eagles. We'll see if they can get back on track. Hopefully now, not, though. Go. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm an Eagles guy, Guns. Come oh, on, I know man. you That's are, and I'm not. Yeah. So I want you to lose so bad. I love you as a person. I just don't like the Eagles. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, Guns. But now let's take a look at you know, a team that started the season the opposite end of the Eagles. They started the season really slow, but have come on of, of late. And they've won their last five home football games. And they just secured the first pick in the NFL draft. And to me, this is a fascinating, fascinating story. It's a fascinating topic. And it's something everybody's talking about in the football world. The Bears have the first pick in the draft. But you also have Justin Fields, who has been playing really well of late. The consistency might not be there. He's obviously a dynamic runner. But can he throw the ball well enough? to be a number one quarterback in this league. Guns, give me your take on the Justin Fields saga. Do the Bears draft a quarterback or do they keep Fields and maybe build around him with some of these yeah. players we're seeing playing in this college football playoff? Normally, when you have the first pick, you're like, oh, this is going to be amazing. This is going to – Chicago <laughs> Chicago fans are losing their minds right now because yeah. it's – it's it's uh, because they know it could, whatever way they decide, there's always going to, if it goes bad, it's always going to be like the what if. And there's, whether it's jobs on the line, you're not even talking just about personal jobs on the line. This could, this has franchise implications. You're talking about the next couple years of your Chicago Bears franchise. It's not a good problem to have. I really don't think it is because, listen, the, the Bears did what they had to do. This past year, okay, like they did exactly what they had to do from a defensive standpoint, okay? They worked on the defense last year. They went from 31st to 12th in defense in the year, okay? So they have been rebuilding, and it's been going the right way, but they need next year. 2024 is going to be huge for the Bears, mm. and you put it on fields. Now, yeah. from a technique <laughs> standpoint, technical standpoint, he is slow with releasing the ball. Believe me, I'm a yeah. Jets fan. I dealt, with, uh, <laughs> I, I, I dealt with Zach Wilson all year long. He can't get rid of the ball. It's one of the most frustrating things to see. Is Justin Fields, does he have that energy? You know, that the, uh, instead of the BDE, it's like, does he have that game football <laughs> energy, if you would? But where he's going to be your championship caliber quarterback. I don't think so, but he still mm -hmm. has the arm. And with the defense yeah. playing better, do you gamble that away for a Caleb Williams? Like, yeah. we, we, and, and we've seen so many draft picks, high draft picks, quarterbacks just blank the bed. Just blank yeah. the bet. It's one thing to be <laughs> yeah. great in college. It's a whole different ball game in the NFL these days. I personally think you keep fields and you build up around him because I'm at this mentality, and, and I'd love to get your opinion as well, where 
if you have a capable quarterback who might not be great, but as long as you give them some time in the pocket or at least build up weapons around them, they can drive the ball down the field. They don't might have not have to be a superstar. I mean, look, look at like the Jets offensive line, okay? Or just many times. If the offensive line is a disaster, I don't care if you're putting Brady or Rodgers or whoever back there, they're going to get smoked and they don't have yeah. time. So build up the weapons around you. And as long as you're capable of throwing the ball and just, don't screw it up. And I think Justin Fields just showed us that he won't at least screw it up. And if anything, he's going to be better than that. I think you maybe trade it, try to build up pieces around it and, 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 and keep with fields. I understand from a marketing standpoint, though, maybe like, it's like, Oh, the new future, new future. I don't think 2024 can be the new future. I don't think you could rebuild with a rookie quarterback with Caleb Williams for next year. You gotta, you gotta keep what you have now and just make everything around you better. I am 100% with you guns. I mean, you looked to last year and we're talking college football playoff here, the two draft picks, you have Bryce young, you have CJ Stroud. Maybe the bears would have been better if they drafted Stroud, but if they drafted Bryce young, Maybe they would have been lost a lot worse because the Carolina Panthers are really struggling to win games. And I'm with you. I think you keep fields, you build around them. Maybe you bring in Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe you bring in Romo Dunze, bring in another big wide receiver to pair with DJ Moore. Yeah. Justin Fields will get better. But guns, it's been fun, man. Appreciate you coming on. It's been great talking to you. Appreciate you. Great job. Have a, a great new year and everything. 2024 for all the Outkick viewers out there. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I've been here for about a year for Outkick. We are going straight to the moon. We are Let's going go. to the moon. We got some great things happening for all the Outkick audience out there. And uh, listen, what a blast. What a way to kick off the new year, my man. Have a good one. And uh, let's go uh, Giants over the Eagles, huh? Oh, come on. No, Giants aren't getting a win here. That I mean, that'd be the rock bottom if they lose to, to Dable and the Giants. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh, my God. Philadelphia might AJ Brown won't even Memphis. show up. AJ Brown wouldn't even suit up for the follow up for the playoffs if, if you guys. Oh, he lose. would leave. He would leave. <laughs> Thanks, Take care, man. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Just the energy we needed to start off our new year with guns. Outkick the morning. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. But guys, uh, Charlie is back in business tomorrow. And don't forget, starting tomorrow, January 3rd, the only place to catch OutKick's original shows live will be on our website. Head to the Watch tab at OutKick.com so you don't miss a beat in 2024. OutKick.com slash watch will be the one-stop shop for all things OutKick. What? That's once again, that's outkick.com slash watch. And thank you. We will see you there. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Charlie's back tomorrow.